What up, world? It's your boy, the Puerto Rican powerhouse, the Mike for Hire, the podcast immersing himself, Christian Doramos, back at it again with a brand new review. And today we're going to discuss the Disney Plus Star Wars series, The Book of Boba Fett, Season 1, Chapter 5, ep- well, Chapter 5, Episode 5, titled The Return of the Mandalorian, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. So, Mando walks up into a butcher shop looking for his bounty, and this whole scene is something that's out of this world, just batshit crazy. Something you would see out of any crime drama where, like, you know this shit's gonna pop off, it just pops off, and it's just a blood fest. As he's going in there, these gangsters are chilling in the back, playing poker or whatever, and they have a bunch of people there just working, and he's telling the guy to stand down, but he does not want to stand down, so he pulls out the Darksaber, takes out the whole squad and just annihilates them that's all the butchers are hearing from afar like what's going on back there this bounty hunter just came through and oh okay well we're all gonna be a little nosy so once they'll get a little nosy and see what happened nando tells them take the credits left on the ground and just go so it's like hey okay after like a nice quiet minute everybody just they're like Okay, well, the boss is dead, so I might as well take his money. Like, no one else needs it anyways, right? So they take they take all the per- poker earnings and, <laughs> and just head out. So he returns to the Mandalorian base for medical. And my gosh, after just collecting this bounty and giving it back to whoever it was, the medical place, apparently the uh, Book of Boba Fett, or even the world of Star Wars, takes place in the same place as Halo. Like... There is a space station that looks identical to Halo. I'm like, what is going on here? Is this a copyright infringement? Or, like, can you really, like, Paramount? I know you got a Halo show coming up. Are you mad that they got to it before you did? Like, it's it's crazy and impeccable, but that's where the base is, and the gravity works kind of funny because there's no, it's not a spear. So, like, you go on a platform, and you're kind of just, I don't know, it's like being in a spaceship, I guess. So he goes there, and he gets treated, and he talks to the welder who's, you know, briefing him on, on certain things, um, and then Bo-Katan comes out in conversation, and it's when things get a little awry, because we're talking about beliefs here, how Bo-Katan seems like a rebel to her, the welder, because she's a traditionist Mandalorian, and Bo-Katan's new way of thinking is like a new age Mandalorian, and they do not have the same ideologies at all, so both the times were brought up here and they bring up the night of a thousand tears where mandalore was lost to the empire so this was like a big siege where they took over mandalore and pretty much killed almost everybody except for like guess the foundlings that were left behind and this is all important information to us as the fans listening because we are talking about things that really pertain to the not just hate or disgust but you've got to compare people who have gone through certain traumas in life versus those who were just born to privilege like Bo-Katan who's a princess so she didn't deal with that stuff it was, for her it was all political whereas the welder and Matt and, and Jindarin were literally uh, subjugated like they were commoners they were there they saw the grief in the world so it's hard to follow Bo-Katan who claims to be the leader of the Mandalorians when Jindarin's the one holding the Darksaber, which if you know the Lord of Mandalore, whoever wields that and wins it in combat, that's their weapon. So Bo-Katan is not the true heiress until she beats Mando in a fight. So that being said, Mando, who is also into this traditionalist Mandalorian way, the way, um, he is 
conflicted because he knows he took his helmet off. Mind you, it wasn't in front of a person, it was in front of a droid. The droids aren't living creatures, they're just robots and machines, but they're sentient machines. So either way, it seems like he, because it's an AI, so it's like an, an AI's living thing. Even if he's just a droid, he, he thinks, he feels. So he knows he did something that he's not supposed to, which was to take off his helmet, but he had to survive because he would have been crushing that explosion or gunfire that Moff Gideon was having. So he requests to turn his Beskar spear into an armor for a foundling. Now, if you know anything about Beskar, it is sacred metal, an ore, that's meant for the strongest and destructible sort of armor out there in space. Now, it is almost sacrilege to turn Beskar into a weapon because only Beskar can come through Beskar. So, the Mandalorians never use Beskar as a weapon before. They only use it for making armor because it's a disgrace to what it stands for. That metal is there to protect you. It's not meant for offense. So he has he's like he's doing the right thing because this this saber uh, is now his weapon of choice. It is now the true weapon of the Mandalore. But this saber that uh, is also hard for him to wield. So he has no use for the spear, let alone he shouldn't be using that spear. So he you know, he welds it down into uh, making an armor uh, for Grogu. And mind you, Grogu and him have this attachment, and he's like unsure of like, he wants to make sure Grogu's treated right, but Grogu's with the Jedi. He's no longer a foundling, he's now one of the Jedi. And Mandel still has this, this attachment to this kid, and this is where the boys are like, you're getting into really strange territory because you are getting attached to this child that's not in your in your protection anymore you don't have to worry about it so be careful what path you lead down to and it's, like, it's just one last tip until i say my goodbyes for real so here we go it goes into a dark saber training because this thing you're getting the the lesson of what dark sabers are it's essentially a weapon that cannot be used by just anybody. It it has a, a I guess you can say a gravity of its own, and if you don't know, kind of like Mjolnir for Thor, it's like those who are worthy know how to use it, and those who use it incorrectly can't really hold it well. And Mandel's caught between, I can use it, but it's getting heavier as I keep using it. So the forger is like, hey, you really gotta step your game up and not try, but just do. Similar to the Jedi, you just gotta let instinct kick in and stop forcing yourself to learn this weapon. This weapon is going to learn you, and that way you can work together instead of it working against you. So that whole sequence is amazing because you see the medic, who's this big tank of a guy, also like hold his own against Mando, who is no, you know, he's, he's not exactly the best warrior in, in the Mandalorian race, but he's definitely up there for what he has accomplished in the short period that we know the character. So the medic actually, after having a training session, wants a dual Mando for the Darksaber. He wants to earn it properly because apparently his ancestor was one of the people that helped make the dark saber he's like it's rightfully mine by bloodline i need to be the one wielding it so then it's like the what with the forger's like hey mando you accept and he's like all right whatever let's get this over with so they are how to say this living waters below mandalore right there are living waters below mandalore where Mando can uh, ask for forgiveness for something that he's done, which he knows he has done. But this is after he wins a duel. It's an epic fight, don't get me wrong. It's a great sequence, but the, this part really got to me. He can only be forgiven for taking his helmet off because he has to admit to it. Because 
those who can wield the hood, hold the dark saber have to be honest and he has to be honest with himself if he's able to be the leader of the, of the Mandalorian people. So he admitted that he had taken the helmet off and he wants to be forgiven, but he has to go to the depths of the, the earth of Mandalore and um, essentially look for forgiveness down there. But Mandalore is destroyed or occupied, I'm not sure what specifically they were getting at. Or maybe destroyed from all the wars that are going on here. I mean, this is called Star Wars after all, right? So who knows if it's like just an asteroid at this point or a bunch of smithereens. So that's the only place you can go to ask for a repent of his sins of taking his helmet off in public. So that's the information I guess has been born to the audience because we're like foreshadowing like maybe he finds Mandalore, maybe he goes there and asks for forgiveness, or maybe it's just information just we know for context for the world of Mandalore, like just to guess get to know more about the Mandalorian world itself. So from here we go on, where uh, Mando's back in Tatooine in the hangar 35, where Pelimoto's uh, hangar garage, and she's here to offer him a new ship. He's thinking it's another Razor Crest, but she doesn't have another Razor Crest. She says that she has another ship for him, one even better. It was a starfighter from the Galactic Republic days, back when uh, Anakin was Anakin and not. Darth Vader and this thing was fast and she's trying to tell him as he's complaining about it like no I wanted a big ship what are you doing I didn't want this not what I asked for but it can go to hyperspace where no docking may need it so it can just be untraceable in modern tech so it's off the grid and he takes the starfighter on a test drive it gets pulled over by the same guy the same star star <laughs> the same pilots that uh, he, he got caught up with in that frozen planet and he, they're hearing him on the radio and he's saying oh sorry it's testing this vehicle it's not registered yet but I'll get to it so he got pulled over Mando got pulled over in space just going for a joyride it's the funniest thing and then he zooms out before they can identify him and he just peels out like what not, not peels not a car but you know what I mean he just freaking goes into warp drive with no <laughs> like he wasn't even there and so he returns to her uh, hangar and who's there waiting for him none other than Fennec Shan who's trying to recruit him for Boba Fett's big war that's coming. Now, mind you, this is called the Book of Boba Fett. This is the first episode. We don't see Boba Fett <laughs> at all. You get Fennec Shan, you get Tatooine. I get it, it's all there, but you don't even give a glimpse of the guy. Like, this is his own series, and man, this is whole episode it was a Mando episode. It was all the Mandalorian, like, teaser for the next season. I'm like, okay, so what the hell is all this? Um, essentially, uh, she's there to recruit him because she's trying to get the best muscle, the best army possible to fight off the pikes. And I'm with it. Let's see if Mando is, though, because he is a hard guy to bargain with. That he is a bounty hunter, and he's all about that dollar. So, we're going to take a small break and return with the review of Chapter 6. Don't move. We'll be right back. Chapter 6 now, titled From the Desert Comes a Stranger, directed by Dave Filoni, one of my favorite directors out there. Now, Bryce Dallas Howard did a great, great directorial from the previous episode. I thought it was pretty awesome. And now we're going from her to Dave Filoni. It's like we're going from great to great. It's like, this is awesome. So we start off with the Marshall Moss Pogo cop, Banff, who stops some pikes who are 
doing something illegal in this territory and he said leave your chest there and then they head out they're apparently smuggling spice that whole ordeal and we move on here where he uh or mando a different scene let's be scene. first off let me just stop jumping timothy oliphant great role as a marshal as pogo he does a great job as cop vamp he's one of my favorite characters from mandalorian series i'm glad he came back for this show so it's like oh yeah he's on tatooine so it makes sense for him to be here and he's the marshal of a small you know area around here in this planet big old desert planet so we move on here where mando lands on a secret planet and r2d2 is there and pretty much leading him to where Luke would be. So he went to see Grogu and Luke, but somehow R2 is not taking him directly to them. Instead, Mando's heading over to where Ahsoka is, where she's building a school with a bunch of, ro- bunch of droids. So Ahsoka pops up a chat with Jadarin and she's like, hey, let's take a minute before you meet up with Luke and Grogu and, you know, just, just chat. And she warns Mando not to interrupt Grogu's training for he does miss him dearly and is dangerous. So Luke and Ahsoka have a conversation about Grogu, and it's like, hey, he is so attached to you that if you interrupt his training, he'll never be a Jedi, and you gotta do what's best for him. She gives him that whole speech. So Mando visits after they have this conversation. Um, she talks to him, and I guess she gives her the armor as a gift that I guess he heads off. He's like, hey, I'm not trying to destroys his life but he can't be seen again because if he sees me he's gonna want to abandon Luke and come back to me so this brings a trigger part of him where he's like oh my gosh what am I doing I am involving myself in the life of this foundling who is no longer foundling he is now a Jedi under the Jedi control so Mandel visits Fennec in the war room after leaving this very emotional period and mind you we see Luke training with Grogu and it's great that Luke is taking a kid to him not mind you the CGI for this was amazing I loved how Luke looked like and it was a matter of like hey he looked like the actual actor Mark Hamill but like younger like the CJ got better from the Mando shows this like it really shows what great technology advances there are out there so he's there and he's showing Grogu the potential of what he could be if he focuses on his Jedi training so Mando then visits Fennec in a war room and Jin visits the Marshal because she's recruiting him for this to lead the garrison for this war against the Pikes. Um, the people of Freetown, which is the new name of Moss Douglas, uh, aren't for it right away because they've had enough fun and they're just trying to live a normal life. So, sorry, thanks for the invitation, but we're all set. And as he's leaving, who comes up? None other than the infamous Star Wars Clone Wars villain, Cad Bane. He pops up and starts some shit. Like, he just wants to take on the marshal and take over the land because the syndicate sent him the pike syndicate sent cad bane to send a message and obviously the marshal like the sheriff and his deputy are there and sadly the deputy gets involved and causes the sheriff to get shot by cad bane and then the deputy gets like blown to bits so many times because of this getting involved and at some other point we got here where the pikes visit the cantina where boba fett usually collects and blows it up destroys everybody in there and we see a moment where Luke makes Grogu pick between Jindar and his armor and the lightsaber 
and that's how the episode ends. We don't know if Grogu chose to go back to Jin or I mean Jindara and the Mando, or if he's gonna stay to become a Jedi. But it's one of those moments where like it's an integral part of the character development. And I hope to see where this kind of grows. And like, oh man, there's so many questions. Like you should just introduce Cad Bane just like that out of nowhere. This guy was a huge part of the Clone Wars series, and I'm not sure if it was in the Rebel series specifically, but he was very much a gunslinger, like, you know, man with no name type character, and from here, we're, we're as a fans, like, really don't know what we should do, and it's interesting that we both kind of have this moment of, like, you know what, Grogu's 50 years old, but he's 50 year old in his race, meaning he's still a child of baby, he's not yet developed, and we get a glimpse of Grogu, seeing his life where he was, you know, saved from Order 66 by some serious Jedi. And, um, Luke makes Grogu pick between the guy to save him, the foundling was found in. And he's there, like, thinking, and then you just cut it off right there, cliffhanger. So we don't know where this goes from here. And I'm just like, this is interesting, and I hope that he makes the right decision for himself and where his character goes so this has been a great show so far um it started slow it started to pick up and really you really are starting to get involved with the characters here so i can't wait to see where it heads up but, but alas is my review of the book of Boba Fett, and i hope you all enjoyed it it's quicker than usual because so much has happened that's left so need so many questions but at the same time i don't want to get too into it because it's something you could have a conversation for the most part right and yeah it's a great it's just to see where the story leads, but thank you for tuning in. As always, it's been another CG Army review. I'm podcast mercenary, the Puerto Rican Kaiju, the man, Mike for Hire, Christian Joel Ramos. Signing off till next time. Thank you for tuning in. Take care. And this is the way.